0: We made it just in time. Come on, let's go get a seat. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Julia's Trucking Cafe. I'm glad you can make it. Have a seat. Everybody get something to drink. Now, just sit back and enjoy the show. I have a lot of news to cover, so let's get right to it. Recently, a Georgia truck driver dies when his load of steel coils shifts tur- and it turns his whole rig over. A Georgia truck driver lost his life when his load of steel coils that he was hauling shifted and caused his truck to overturn. This happened in Clark County, Indiana, just after 5 p.m. last week. It would be Thursday, I'm thinking, the 27th, um, police say that 64-year-old truck driver Roger L. Cole was hauling two steel coils down the ramp from where I-65, 265, excuse me, I-265 westbound to I-65 southbound. That hairpin curve right there, that 25 mile an hour curve, I believe it is. Um, that the coils shifted and causing the whole truck to overturn. I mean, flip. There's. You see the photos in the article where it flipped right upside down. Preliminary investigation revealed the semi-tractor and a trailer loaded with two steel coils was traveling west down the ramp when the low loaded coils shifted, causing the semi-truck trailer to overturn. He was from Gainesville, Georgia. He was driving a 1999 International, and he was pronounced dead at the scene. And there's another article from um, 11 Alive, uh, which is a TV news station, that um, he was going to turn he just turned 65 on September 21st. He was on the road that day, and his family was expected him back home in Gainesville, Georgia on Friday. He loved nothing more to come back home to his family in the serene hills of Hall County above Lake Lanier, in Georgia after days at a time driving his big loads on his flatbed semi along the nation's interstates. He had delivered a load from Metro Atlanta to Ohio earlier in the week. Then he picked up this load of steel coils out of Indiana just north of Louisville to drive back to Atlanta and at about 5 p.m. on Thursday that's when his truck turned over. His car had driven for Pilgrim Trucking Company in Cleveland, Georgia for Over a decade, his wife, Angela, said the company is like family to them. He had been an interstate truck driver for most of his adult life. He used to take his sons, Josh and Mitchell, with him when they were young in the summers, which a lot of drivers do. They have great memories, quote-unquote, working with their dad. Then he would take them on long adventures across the country. Him and his wife married 15 years ago, and she and his other son, his dog, Peanut, would travel with him and was his constant companion on the road. She said she hadn't been able to ride with him for the past year or so because of health problems. He was happy and spontaneous and a loving person, she said. Uh, Investigators are still working to investigate on what happened at that interchange. Uh, Lawrence Pilgrim, the owner of Pilgrim Trucking, said he had been in touch with the Indiana State Patrol and is waiting to hear more about what might have caused the load to shift and tip the truck over. Pilgrim said he was a good man, and a good trucker. And it was a flat bed truck, the one that Cole had driven for Pilgrim all these years. The load on Thursday consisted of two large, heavy steel coils. Pilgrim said that would have been a full load, up to the maximum weight allowed, 80,000 pounds. Combined weight of load plus truck and fuel. The coils of steel would have been secured in place with chains and binders that we know. And usually they'll block it in with wood as well on the deck of the flatbed to make them immovable cole's boss and his wife and sons all said he was always he always mr cole always put safety first and never had an accident they described him as a hard worker and a good and kind man who took care of his family and insisted on never being on the road more than a few days at a time so he could be home with them josh cole described his dad as an internet interstate excuse me josh cole described his dad as an interstate angel If he saw anybody broke down, he would stop and help him if he could. But he loved the road, too, loved being a truck-driving man, and he had no plans to retire. So in memory of Mr. Cole, I want to read this short poem. You know, I never asked a lot, like other people do. Lord, you know I haven't forgot, so now I'm asking you. I know machinery ain't your style. It's nature you love best. So if you could work with me a while, I know we'd both be blessed. I know sometimes I swear and scold when fixing late at night. Lord this truck is getting old, still as she does her job upright. So Lord, if you could please please bless this truck till this day is done, we won't be needing luck till we make our final run. Rest in peace, mister Cole. You've hauled your last load. In other news, FMCSA allows, it okays allowing military personnel to skip the CDL driving and knowledge test. Back last week, Thursday, the FMCSA announced a final rule that allows states to waive some CDL testing requirements for certain military personnel. The final rule is set to be published in the Federal Register uh, last week, Friday. The new rule allows, but does not require, states' driver's license agencies. To waive the knowledge test requirements and test required for some endorsements with proof of experience for certain individuals who are regularly employed or were regularly employed within the previous year in a military position requiring the operation of a vehicle that would be classified as a commercial motor vehicle. pursuant to 49 CFR 383.5 if operated in a civilian context this rule includes the option for a state driver's license agency to waive the test required for a passenger carrier endorsement tank vehicle endorsement or hazardous material endorsement with proof of training and experience so in other words if you have your military personnel and you just get out of the military and you're transitioning into getting a job, you know, out in, in the general public, and say you were a tanker driver and you were pulling a gas tank that and you have experience doing that within the last twelve months, that you wouldn't have to worry about taking the written test or for the endorsement of hazmat or tanker because you already have experience doing both. And I understand that um, the government, you have your regular driver's license and then the government, you have to go through a government driver's license as well. So it's entirely at the discretion of the states to choose whether to waive the CDL tests. The FMCSA says that when combined with other recent rules changes related to military CDL applicants, Today's rule will allow states to waive both the CDL knowledge and driving skills test for certain current or former military members. The notice of the proposed rule marking NPRM for this rule was published in June of 2017. Since then, the FMCSA says that they have received 17 comments, 15 of which were in favor of the proposal. Both the ATA, American Trucker Association, and the OOIDA, Owner Operator Independent Drivers Association, support the rule. FMCSA has also recently established that pilot program that I reported on in another episode of 18 to 21-year-old military veterans or reservists to operate commercial vehicles interstate. It says that will allow certain 18 to 21-year-olds. Let me correct that. Officials say that these two new rules are designed to ease the transition from military service into civilian career in the trucking industry, as I stated. So, I didn't even get that far in the article, and I already knew what they were trying to say. In other news, a crash on Interstate 78 involving semi-trucks and a car shuts down the Lehigh Valley Highway in Pennsylvania. A crash early Friday morning involving semi-trucks and a car shut down Interstate 78 for hours in Lower Saucon Township between Heller Town and Bethlehem on Route 33 interchanges. At least one person was taken to an area hospital, but there weren't any fatalities, thank goodness, according to a Northampton County EMT, Emergency Dispatch. The wreck happened at about Two in the morning at mile marker sixty eight point five, and I say that silly because you know you either got sixty eight or sixty nine, but nope, it's sixty-eight point five, or about a mile and a half east of the Hellertown Bethlehem Interchange. It wasn't immediately clear how many trucks were involved, but they were on both sides of the highway. A car was under an overturned truck but was later freed. And a second person still in the car survived and was extricated by 5.15 a.m., dispatcher says. The entire fuel tank of the truck on top of the car leaked out. Well, normally that's a gimme that normally happens when you have that kind of an accident. I mean, these are only aluminum tanks that are strapped on with aluminum and felt kind of straps bolted to the frame of the truck. So anything overturned or crashed or anything like that, they're not that hard to puncture, really. So you have to watch it when running over debris in the road. One lane was open for a time westbound, but all lanes were shut again at 4.15 as trucks were being removed from the highway. Some westbound traffic just before 6.30 a.m. was arriving in that area but a detour appeared to remain in place. Eastbound traffic was taken off at the Hellertown-Bethlehem exit. Route 22 west, which was picking up most of the bulk of the I-78 westbound traffic, was slowed through the Bethlehem area. A crash involving two cars and a jeep at 715 on Route 22 east in Bethlehem between routes 191 and 33 led to backups in BOTH directions. A blue sedan was facing the wrong direction and was crumpled against the cement barrier, while a jeep with heavy front-end damage remained in the middle of the two lanes. And how the news agency got this? Traffic cameras. They just looked at the traffic cameras. The police warned that other roads in the area will have heavier traffic due to the detours. Uh, lower Sookhan Road was temporary, temporarily shut down then. So if you were in that area and went through a lot of that major backup and delay and everything... That was the reason why was because of the main crash on Interstate 78. Daimler Trucks of North America has issued a recall for thousands of trucks for a defect that could cause a fuel line to burst. Daimler has issued a recall notice of 4,500 trucks. The affected models are certain 2017 to 2019 trucks equipped with the Cummins ISX15 or X15 diesel motor. You can take a look at the recall trucks. According to a recall notice from National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA, the fuel line on the recall trucks could burst if the filter screen becomes clogged. If the fuel line bursts, fuel may leak onto the road, resulting in a roadway hazard for other motorists. The engine may also stall without warning, resulting in the vehicle's inability to restart, increasing the risk of of a crash. The recall is scheduled to begin on October 28th, 2018. So they're stating this in the end of September, but they're not beginning the recall till October 28th. They're not even giving anybody time to get it fixed for a month? Really? Shazam! Cummins will reach out to truck owners affected by the recall. The repair for the fuel line defect is still under development. If you have any questions about the recall, you call Daumler Trucks North America Customer Service Line at 1-800-547-0712. That's 1-800-547-0712 with the reference number of F is in Frank, L as in Larry, 789. You may also call the Cummins Customer Service Number at one 800 286-6467. Again, that's a Cummins customer service number is 1-800-286-6467. The trucks affected by the recall are Freightliner Model 122 SD 2017-2019, Freightliner Cascadia 2017-2019, Freightliner Coronado 2017 to 2019 and a Western Star 4900 2017 to 2019. This episode of Julia's trucker Cafe is brought to you by Julia's Virtual Assistant Service. Have you ever thought about hiring a virtual assistant? Do you even know what a virtual assistant is? Well, may I suggest you contact Julia's Virtual Assistant Service to find out how they can help you in your business. Do you have things that you hate doing? Well, hand them over to Julia's Virtual Assistant Service and concentrate on the things that you like to do. From basic web design, social media marketing, to transcription, Julia's Virtual Assistant Service can help you and your business with the things that you hate doing. Any task that you have, hand it over to them. Contact Julia's Virtual Assistant Service today by going to their website at juliasvaservice.com. That's juliasvaservice.com com with fast turnaround time and economically priced contact julia's virtual assistant service today do it today and you won't regret it last week monday pilot flying j executive president gets 12 and a half years for scamming small trucking companies. Former Pilot Flying J President Mark Hazelwood was sentenced to 150 months in prison for a diesel fuel rebate scheme designed to dupe small business truckers. In addition to the 12-and-a-half-year sentence, Hazelwood was fined $750,000. On February 15, 2018, a Tennessee jury reached a verdict of guilty on charges of conspiracy to commit wire and mail fraud for former company president Mark Hazelwood. He has been on house arrest since that day. Senior U.S. District Judge Curtis Collier noted that Hazelwood's motive did not appear to be greed, but instead the desire for dominance over Pilot's competitors. The motive is hubris, his competitiveness, his desire to capture more market share, he wrote. The Knoxville News reports that at least four trucking companies were duped by the Pilot Flying J rebate fuel scheme, said the judge for leniency, and they asked for leniency for Hazelwood. The fraud victims have been paid restitution by Pilot Flying J. 17 other former Pilot Flying J employees have already pled guilty to fraud charges associated with the now infamous diesel fuel rebate scam, which involved Pilot Flying J employees making false promises to deliver discounted fuel to truckers who they believed were too unsophisticated to notice that they were being conned. We're not stupid truck drivers. Following a 2013 raid of company headquarters, Pilot Flying J took responsibility for the fraud scheme and has already paid out $92 million in fines to the federal government along with $85 million in settlements. The U.S. Department of Justice describes the rebate scam as Pilot Flying J's attempt to use the truck drivers to gain a leg up on their competitors. Quote, evidence presented at trial proved a scheme to defraud certain Pilot Flying J trucking company customers through false and fraudulent representations and promises of diesel fuel discounts that were intended to induce victim customers to purchase diesel fuel from Pilot Flying J rather than a competitor. The scheme resulted in victim customers being cheated out of their promised diesel fuel discounts. The evidence at trial showed that the scheme's goals were to increase Pilot's market share of diesel fuel sales over its competitors, maximizing Pilot's profits and maximize the scheme participants' potential for profit and commission-based compensation from trucking companies targeted with the scheme to defraud, end quote. Jimmy Haslam, CEO of Pilot Flying J, has denied any knowledge of the fraud and has not been charged with the fraud. Last week, a woman asked Facebook to help her find the trucker uh, that helped her who stopped to help her after an accident. On September 29th, Rebecca S. Boster, B-O-S-T-E-R, wrote, I'm looking for the special trucker that was on U.S. Highway 385 south of Rye, Colorado, on Friday, September 21st, 2018, that held my hand in a one-car accident that I was involved in around 3.30 to 3.45 p.m., that day i'd like to thank him and tell him he was a lifesaver to me holding my hand the whole time i was hanging upside down by my seatbelt bleeding out of my head can you all help me find him i want to thank him for being a hero to me i was told he was driving a blue unknown make of truck with a reefer trailer on it please share to find this hero since the post was published on friday it's been shared over 21000 times outside both in and outside of the trucking community so if you're that driver uh please uh, have someone that you know if you don't do it get on facebook please um you know let rebecca s boaster be known i know you don't you want to be a highway hero um thank you so much for stopping and helping miss boaster out from us at julia's trucking cafe i greatly appreciate you stopping for her a lot of drivers wouldn't And um, she just wants to thank you, sir, even though you don't want to have your name or anything like that released. But she just does want to thank you for for being her angel, which is really cool of you to do. Now, in other news, a bunch of recalls for uh, international trucks. More than 28,000 international trucks are included in two separate recalls announced by Navistar. They're also involved in this Cummins recall. That Navistar recalls 26,288 trucks also equipped with that Cummins motor. The trucks that are affected are 2017 to 2019 International 9900i, HX, Lone Star, LT, Paystar, and ProStar. From 2017, 2018, 2019. In certain driving conditions, such as a on a long downhill grade, the fuel fuel line may burst if the fuel pump cooling circuit screen becomes restricted. This is the same issue that prompted Daimler trucks to recall 4,500 of their trucks. Cummins will notify the owners of the affected trucks. There again, I gave you the uh, Cummins customer service number. Here is the Navistar customer service number at one 800 448 782 That's 1-800-448-7825. Another recall from Navistar affects 2089 vehicles equipped with long stroke brake chambers and spring actuated parking brakes. The recall affects a number of international buses in addition to several truck models. In affected trucks, the spring actuated parking brake may be improperly crimped to the long-stroke service brake chamber, causing an air leak and the possible separation of the spring brake chamber from the service brake section. In other words, it'll come apart. And you're going down the road, and you're having an air leak. So the affected trucks, uh, these are all 2019s, International Durastar, HV, HX, Lone Star, LT, MV, RH and Workstar. Navistar will begin notifying owners on November 6th and dealers will replace the brake chamber assemblies for free. Okay, you're notifying us in September, but then you're not going to begin notifying the owners till November? A month? And you wonder why we're having accidents? And then also Continental Tire is having a recall of 1,990 Continental Hybrid HS3 tires. Sizes 11R225s, LI146 143, load range H, and then with DOT codes on the side of the tire A is an Apple 33TKWUY 0818 through A33TKWUY 1318. These tires may have cords visible through the inner liner. Continental is notifying owners and dealers will provide replacement tires for free. Don't buy Continental Tire. FMCSA takes steps toward immediate suspension of insolvent brokers, seeks industry feedback. The Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration will propose a rule last week Thursday that will, if made final, set criteria by which the agency could immediately revoke the operating authority of brokers and freight forwarders whose surety bonds or trust funds fall below the federally required $75,000 minimum. The agency is also seeking public input on a bevy of other issues as it relates to brokers who can't pay carriers for loads which they've hauled. An advance notice of proposed rulemaking is scheduled for publication last week by FMCSA, and the agency will accept public feedback on the rule for six days until November 27th, which is right around Thanksgiving. The proposed rule implements statutes set by Congress in the six-year-old MAP-21 Highway Funding Law, which required the agency to take steps in bolstering the solvency of brokers and freight forwards and to weed out those who aren't it also seeks feedback on our enforcement of these regulations and definitions within the rule fmcsa will begin accepting comments on the proposed rule on thursday at the regulations.gov portal via the docket number fmcsa-2016-0102 map 21's most prominent change in broker regulation boosting the minimum amount of surety bonds or trust funds required of brokers from $10,000 to $75,000, and this was enacted by FMCSA back in 2013. Thursday's proposed rule is intended to ensure brokers meet that requirement and set criteria for which the agency can revoke the operating authority of those who don't. Congress in MAP 21 stipulated that FMCSA should immediately suspend Brokers or freight forwards who fall below the $75,000 requirement, that bond/credit requirement is there for carriers like owner operators to file claims against for, to file claims against for loads tendered if the broker does not pay them. The agency proposes two broad situations for when it will suspend broker's authority to operate. One, if it is notified by providers of bonds or trust funds that a broker's bond fund has dipped below $75,000. Two, when a broker does not respond to a bond fund provider, when a claim is filed and the provider determines the claim is valid and provides notice of these events to FMCSA. FMCSA the FMCSA. MCSA is seeking feedback from industry stakeholders on the appropriate cushion time for brokers to respond to claims made against their surety bond or trust fund and about the due process concerns of shutting down a broker, quote, without affording the company a chance to respond, end quote. The agency intends to implement a process available for brokers whose authority is subject to being revoked. The agency is also seeking public comments until November 21st, 27th, excuse me. Are y'all laughing at me? November 27th, on adopting congressional statute that brokers and freight forwarders trust funds consist of assets readily available to, play, to pay claims. The agency says it first needs to define what assets readily available should consist of. It's a considering limiting it to cash and FMCSA-approved letters of credit, such as government bonds and notes, certified or cashier's checks, irrevocable letters of credit, or other options that are easily convertible into cash, says FMCSA. The agency also seeks to define financial failure, quote unquote, and quote insolvency, end quote, as it relates to brokers and FMCSA's ability to take action against insolvent brokers. Map 21 requires surety bond providers to publicly advertise for 60 days when brokers fail financially, so that carriers can make claims against these brokers' bond slash fund. However. FMCSA hopes to define the two terms above to make clear when bond providers must advertise. It's also hoping to better codify what publicly advertise means. In other words, to define it in more detail, where do they advertise that they're publicly insolvent? In newspapers? On social media? Over the internet? FMCSA.gov? You know, where are they supposed to publicly advertise this? fmcsa is also looking for input on whether group surety bonds are applicable to determining how the agency could regulate these types of setups it's also seeking input on defining what a group surety bond is however the agency says it is likely will not take action to allow group surety bonds giving their seemingly complexity and the agency's limited resources in regulating them. Additionally, it's seeking feedback on whether BMC 85 trust providers occur an option for brokers to meet the $75,000 minimum requirement in contracts to the BMC 84 surety bond providers should be licensed and how it can ensure BMC 85 providers can pay claims brought by carriers. I have no clue what those initials mean. So they are actively going through and are wanting feedback on how they should handle when a broker doesn't have the minimum requirement of $75,000 surety or bond to cover themselves for claims in case of non-payment of a owner operator or a trucking company or anything like that broker credit histories and ratings for intel on business health via load board services rating services and other third-party services have multiplied in recent years DAT today provides owner-operators the opportunity to review brokers using its load boards, and truckstop.com offers credit letter grades. Both offer other common metrics on brokers' payment speed and more. You can find an in-depth July 27 feature on this topic in, in via the link in the article that's going to be from Overdrive Magazine that's going to be in the uh, show notes. It'll be resources for broker credit checks, collections, and filing against the bond article. In 2013, nearly half of owner-operators reported having resorted to the last-ditch effort to collect from a freight payment scoff law, filing against the broker's required surety bond or trust. That same year, Overdrive published a how-to for those needing to file, whether to spur a broker to pay or to mitigate against the broker's business failure. And then they have the how-to in the link on this article baxter bay and associates freight specialized collection agency publishes a periodic list of brokers about which has received multiple collection inquiries so this is all good information if you are Oprah owner operator wanting to get your own authority or something like that to you know you have that you have that issue of there may be a time where you're not going to get paid from a broker who's kind of shady so you until you get to a uh, good rep in the business with these brokers you have to watch out who you pull for and what their rating is as far as payment and this kind of thing Otherwise, you know, you're going to end up getting screwed and you're going to be out fuel. You're going to be out, you know, paying for the load. You get the load delivered and everything. Your oil, your fuel, uh, wear and tear on the truck and stuff. You're going to be out all that if you don't get paid for the load. So you have to be very careful about who you go ahead and pull for so that's good to know as far as a list of like a credit rating for brokers in other news another crash happened uh in indiana october 1st in jasper county indiana a multiple truck trailer crash closed all the lanes on southbound i-65 with traffic being diverted at the 215 mile marker renisler exit Ooh, the picture on here he don't look good at all one of the trucks the whole cab motor and all is completely off the chassis which means the tires in the and the tank you can't you could can see it looks yeah it's a t680 kw it looks like the truck is up and cocked sideways off the whole uh, um, chassis of the truck in this photograph, in this article, which, again, will be posted in the show notes. A multiple semi, um, it's expected, excuse me, it's expected that this will be closed for at least a couple of hours. If you were in that I-65 southbound, this is the reason why. Preliminary investigation uh, revealed that approximately at 5 o'clock in the morning, Traffic was stopped in both lanes of I-65 South near the 205 mile marker due to an earlier crash that caused the left lane to be closed. A 2018 Freightliner pulling a dry van leased by DM World Transportation out of Orlando and hauling Amazon Prime Cargo, I guess by a Russian IT... I can't even pronounce his name... I k h t i y o r Sula Yamanov or Armenian maybe. He twenty seven years old of Brooklyn, New York, was stopped in the right lane at the two hundred six mile marker, directly in front of Sul- Sula Yamanov. I guess also stopped in the right lane was a twenty sixteen Freightliner pulling an empty flatbed trailer owned by Aim Leasing out of Gerard, Ohio, and driven by Zachary McGuire, twenty eight of Laporte, Indiana, for unknown reasons. A 2013 Freightliner pulling a dry van owned by Williams Willie C. Brown, 56 of Van Buren, Michigan, loaded with car vehicle carpeting driven by Brown, failed to slow down and stop and hit the rear of Suleimanov's trailer. This pushed Suleimanov's semi into the rear of McGuire's trailer. Oh boy. All three semis came to rest in the right lane or right shoulder with debris covering everywhere. Brown was flown from the scene. By Life Flight with multiple injuries. Suyamanoff was taken to Jasper County Regional Hospital with non-life threatening injuries, and McGuire was treated and released at the scene for only minor injuries. Southbound I-65 traffic was diverted off at the 215 mile marker until 8 o'clock in the morning. Three hour backup days. When the left lane was re- reopened to allow traffic back up to clear. The interstate southbound was then reclosed and will be for further cleanup and removal of the debris. And it shows a flight for life. They had to, of course, shut down the interstate. Anytime that happens, when it has to have flight for life, a helicopter lands in the middle of the interstate. Now, this is for all the newbies out here that don't know this. When you shut down the interstate completely, it's flight for life is possibly landing. That means somebody has major injuries that has to get to the hospital ASAP. So they have to shut down. So it creates a landing pad on the interstate to pick up that person to take fly them to the hospital. Brown was also traveling with two dogs. One was located at the scene and taken for safekeeping. Uh, second dog, a Doberman Pinscher, fled and hasn't been located. So this was posted. And um, if anybody found a Doberman Pinscher, it's probably this Mr. Brown's. He would, uh, Please contact the Jasper County Animal Control Facility. Uh, So they could get with the other dog. Like I said, Mr. Brown was flown to um, IU Lifeline. They didn't really say which hospital he was in. He was just flown from the scene. Um, And they just said where the other two drivers are. So there's a Willie C. Brown, 56, of Van Buren, Michigan, is missing a Doberman Pinscher. If you were in that area and you happen to pick up a Min Pin, and hopefully he'll have a tag on him. Please return them to Mr. Brown. I'm sure he is wondering what happened to his dog and missing his dog. You know, hopefully he did not get too injured. We, I don't know what happened to um, why Mr. Brown crashed, if it was inattentive driving, um, and could have glanced down for something in the truck. Don't know. But um, all of these articles that I'm referring to will be in the show notes. And um, I hope everybody stays safe out there. So until next time, keep the shiny side up and please stay safe.